Romans chapter 1, verse 16 through 17. And this is what the word of the Lord says. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. The, the, the mindset that Paul has about the gospel is that he's saying he's not ashamed of it. He's going to proclaim it, and he's going to believe it. So let's go to Acts chapter 14, and let's dive in real quick. I'm going to read this whole text out, verse 1 through 28. It's a long text, but bear with me, because we're going to, we're going to dissect this and see where Paul's heart and mind is at. Verse chapter, chapter 14, verse 1 of Acts. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, city of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now in Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. Watch this. This is very important right here. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Lycaonian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they call Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priests of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their robe, their garments, and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave him without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heavens and fruitful season, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and the next day went out with Barnabas to Derbe. When he had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, 
we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they continue, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Poseidon and camped to Papilia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Athelia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the, to the grace of God for the work that he had fulfilled. When they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them. And how he opened up a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. Now listen to me, family. That's a long text. It's a long verse. But what we like to do here is we like to use God's word, and we open it up, and we say, Lord, what are you trying to show us in your word? What is your word showing us? So in a nutshell, chapter 14 can be summed up this way. This is a life of a transformed man of God who lived a life on mission, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work that the Holy Spirit sent him to do. This is an historical account. This truly did happen. This is not something that's made up by man. This is God's active and living word. And what we see, when Paul came and he spoke, I want you to know in the way he spoke and what he brought. He didn't come bringing fancy words. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Actually, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. And this is how he came bringing the message that he brought. Watch this. And when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So when we read in first verse of this chapter, when it says, they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. What kind of way was he speaking in? What kind of message was he bringing them? He was proclaiming to them without shame that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who, can, who comes to take away the sin. He comes proclaiming to them freedom from sin, from death. He, he comes proclaiming Christ and him crucified. I love what 1 Corinthians 15 says. It says this, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. The way in which Paul spoke, he came proclaiming the gospel because there's power in the gospel. And I'm going to tell y'all something, family. Just being real. And it's going to lead to my first point. There is power in the cross of Christ. There is power in the message of the death of the Son of God. And there's power in the resurrection of Christ. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. 
turn there real quick. Two responses happen when people hear the cross of Christ. Two responses. Let's read what 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Family, listen to me. The message of Christ and him crucified is not a popular message among the people today, but it's the message that Paul preached. It is the message that we will continue to preach until he comes back. Because you know what it means? The cross reminds us of the great cost of our sin. It reminds us that we are sinful people without any hope alone. We have no hope. But through the cross of Christ, we know that Jesus died for our sins. And he allows us to come into a relationship with him, not based on what we've done. You know what that does to our hearts? That sets our hearts free, knowing that we can come to Christ and that he's bought us. He's accepted us, not on our good works. Not on the good things that we can show him how super spiritual we are. How much we give, how many humanitarian efforts and and, and donations we give to people. He's not looking at that. But he looks at the cross. And the cross reminds us that it took the death of the Son of God for our sins. But it also demonstrates the greatest love you've ever seen. It is the greatest love you've ever seen. Because God himself in his foreknowledge, set this plan into motion that he would not leave us in the broken world that we used to live in. I'm getting too excited over here. Then my mic's falling off. Is that better now? Thank you, bro. Was I open air preaching? Okay. Okay. So, two responses happen. Either people will reject the message that you're bringing they'll receive it. And I'm going to tell y'all, family, I've seen that firsthand on the streets where people, man, they're cussing at you, throwing stuff at you. I've seen it in other countries. People reject it. They think you're crazy. They think the message that you're bringing that people need to just trust in Jesus and not do anything else is, is a lie. They're like, oh, well, you have to do these good things to show God that you're a Christian. You need to dress a certain way. You need to talk a certain way. You can't watch those movies. You can't do those things. And all they're doing is adding more and more to their so-called message. It's not the gospel. If you have to do something to earn your way into God's kingdom, it's not the gospel. The gospel says that you cannot do anything to enter into God's kingdom, but believe upon Christ and the power of God. That's it. That's it. That should set our hearts free. You know, I'm reminded, you know, as we look at Acts 14, Paul begins to, what 
we say is contextualize the gospel. That's just a big fancy word to say. They make the message into a way that people can understand it. And when we look at Paul teaching and preaching in Acts 14, he begins to tell the Lycaonians. Watch this in verse 15. I'm going to show you. Men, why are you doing these things? Remember, he performed a miracle. There was a crippled man from birth who, when Paul sees he had faith to be made well, the guy springs up. Think about that, all right? They see that miracle happening before their eyes, and their response is this. They want to worship them. Watch this. And Paul rebukes them. Why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you. We bring you good news that you should turn from these, th- these vain things to a living God. Now watch this. He begins to teach people that don't know about the history of Israel, about the gospel. And what that means is when you come across a person that, has, that, doesn't, know, that doesn't know anything about Christianity at all, you can't begin to tell them about the history of Israel. Now you could if you really wanted to, but they're not going to understand you. So you know what you got to do? You got to break it down to them in a way they understand it. And that's what they call contextualizing the gospel. Now, I'm going to pause there for a second. So I'm going to make a point. There was a young man who, at the barbershop that I go to, I was getting a haircut, and he started saying some stuff about the devil and all this and that, and you know, you know, all these things that he used to do. And I'm just listening to the conversation. And so instead of me pushing him away after I was done with my haircut, I tell the guy, I'm like, hey, man, you know, uh, you got any free time? I'd love to sit down, buy you a cup of coffee and just talk to you, man. Just get to know your story. Boom. We sit down. We talk for the first hour. He says, man, you know what? I'm on my lunch break. If you want to, we can go have some lunch. So we go have lunch. This whole entire time, I'm asking him questions about himself, about his past, about his brokenness. This guy has a messed up past, like we all do. We all have a story like that. And I begin to hear his story and his brokenness and why he viewed God the way he did. And all I could think to myself is like, man, Like, this is his broken view of God here. This is his broken view of God here. This is his broken view of God here. And so we talked for like two hours. And finally he says, man, I've been talking this whole time. You haven't even told me who you are. And I said, man, bro, I was like, man, that's not really important right now, bro, but let me say what I really feel in my heart. And I began to talk to him about his own story. And I began to share the gospel in his brokenness of his view, who he thought God was, using his situation. I don't want to use his example because it's pretty, it's pretty detailed. But I used his story, his past, how he was hurt, and I explained to him gospel truth, what God has done to restore broken relationships. And I'm going to tell you all someone's crazy. If you were to see this guy, and that's why I tell people, don't ever judge a book by its cover. This guy's completely tatted down. This guy works at a super high-end, like, barbershop. You, people would be scared of seeing this guy walking up to him. And I'm going to tell you something that's crazy is that man began to cry in my truck. God broke him. And he later sent me a text 
I don't know, a couple hours later, telling me that um, he never felt that way, that uh, he really felt that God did a work in his heart. And so that was meeting number one. We just had meeting number two several months later. And he now tells me that he used to go to church as a kid. And now another opportunity has opened up for me to share the gospel once again. This is what I'm getting to, family. When the Lord did a work in your life to show you how sinful you are, but how great his grace is to forgive you, to redeem you, to restore you, to reshape you, he's called you to go back out and rescue people like us, broken people. And you're the means in the way that God uses. So it's important that we learn gospel, that we become fluent in the gospel, that we would know what the gospel is. I'm talking about what it really means. And and, and I would honestly tell you guys, if you ever want to see a biblical picture of the gospel presented, where you can study and learn in God's words, Go to 1 Corinthians 15 and read that entire chapter. That is the clearest example of the gospel. Now, family, I'll tell you all this because we have to understand something when we meet with people. And I took this from a book that I've been reading. This guy's name is, his name is John uh, Merida. He says this, most people share these thoughts or feelings. Listen to this. A hunger for love and community a search from freedom, a need to get rid of guilt and shame, a quest for meaning, a longing for significance, a thirst for satisfaction, an attraction to beauty and creation, and a love for creativity and innovation. People long for these things. And when we meet people where they're at, we have to be listening for those things. Everybody has a story. And that's why it's important. When we sit down with people, man, we're listening to them. We're not just telling them, hey, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Man, listen to the guy's story. Listen to the lady's story, how her husband beats her, and understand how she has a broken view of a father because her father tried to kill her mom. So she doesn't have a good view of a father. So when you say God's a good, good father... It might work for you because you had a dad and mom that were there. But for her, her dad tried to kill her mom. She has a broken view. So how does the gospel restore that? Let me tell you about a good father who has never, ever broken any of his promises, who is a good father. So we listen to people. Because I'm telling you, family, look, before anything else, we're not church goers. We are the church that goes. We are disciples of Christ. We are the agents of change. God has designed you with a purpose. Everyone in this room has a meaning and a purpose. God has specifically designed you and wired you a specific way. You are beautiful in the eyes of God because he created you as a masterpiece before the foundations of the world that you would complete the purpose that he set upon your life. And listen, family, I'm not talking about living a perfect life. 
Because I'll be the first one to tell you I get that wrong. What it's about, like my brother says, the moment you mess up, you're done wrong. You know how to gospel yourself back to Jesus. So as you're leading other people to Jesus, you're showing them, man, you know what? I got it wrong. Let me show you what it looks like when I go repent and put my faith in Christ. Because that's what a disciple is. The life of a disciple is that of repentance and faith. Some one of those old dead guys said that. I don't know who it was. But man, what does that mean for us, family? That we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do these things. Because the life of Paul was fueled by the Holy Spirit. There is no such thing as an empty Christian without the Holy Spirit. That does not happen. Here's some examples of how the gospel, how you can speak gospel into conversation. Someone says they don't have love. They've never experienced true love. Jesus offers us the ultimate love. He displayed it on the cross. I'm alone. I don't have anybody. Jesus makes his dwelling place in your life. You'll never be alone. He'll never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. When you're unfaithful, he remains faithful. But I'm stuck in my addiction to my brokenness, and I don't know how I'm going to get out. Jesus has come to set you free and give you freedom from sin and death. He offers you the ultimate freedom. The ultimate freedom. Man, but you don't know my past, bro. You don't know where I've come from. The things that I've done. The things I've done in secret that no one knows about, man. Jesus came to cancel out the record of debt that stood against you. In Christ, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. Jesus. But what's my purpose, man, in life? Jesus has created you with a meaning and a purpose. But I long for something else, man. I don't know what it is. Man, that thirst that you have to know more, man, Jesus quenches that thirst. He said he's the living water. And all that drink from him, they will never thirst. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take a drink. Man, when I look at the creation of this world, I can't, I can't but think there must be some designer by the, behind, behind all this. Well, yeah, let me tell you, man. God created everything, whether visible or invisible. He created everything. The God we serve, he created those things by the breath of his lips, by words. That's how powerful he is. We can meet people in conversations. Be reminded that your disciples, the message that we preach and teach, man, it's a message of hope. So we don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. We stand on the gospel. We believe the gospel. We trust in the gospel. We live in the gospel. 
We start with the gospel, we live through the gospel, and we end with the gospel. Like my brother said, sounds like we sound like a turkey. Gospel, 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 gospel. You know, it's always gospel, man. But you know the thing about it, bro, for real, man, is that the gospel is the most beautiful thing, man. It is the good news. And if anything, we're going to be reminded of family is what Christ has done for us. Not that we look to ourselves. And in this text in Acts 14, you know, something's in, something interesting happens in here. You know, Paul gets a heads up. Man, they're going to come and kill you, bro. Notice he doesn't say, well, I'm going to stand here for Jesus and I'm going to die for Jesus. No, nah, he leaves. He, he flees. And it's not the first time he flees. He's, he fled other times. He was lower down in a basket. You know, he goes and, and hides in the ship and he, he sails away. We use wisdom, family, when, when, when presented with people persecuting us. Let me tell y'all something. I'm going to be real with y'all because we don't see it in America because this is America. I believe there's 53 or 52 countries in the world where the gospel is illegal. Where if you preach the gospel, either A, you will be killed or beaten. One of the two. People will reject you. People will mock you. We don't get to see that too much in America. We see small glimpses here and there. You see it on the news, people talking about, oh, they want the Ten Commandments back in the, in the, in the, in the schools, and people complain and argue. All these small little glimpses you see, right? The reality, family, Jesus told us, if they persecute me, Jesus himself, they'll persecute you. I love what Timothy says. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Persecution is going to happen. It's, it's not a life of perfectness. It's not. I would be made a liar if I told you that. God's word teaches us that Paul was beaten, shipwrecked, left for dead, naked, exposed, does it happen to every follower of Jesus? No. It doesn't. But every follower will be persecuted one way or another, family. And that leads me to my third point. It's persevering under trials. As trials come, because they will come. Because they will come. We don't need to fear. Man, if we know we serve a sovereign God, who created us in the womb of our mother, who predestined us for adoption, who called us by name, come on, who works all things together for our good, nothing slips out of God's hands and he drops it. He always has it in control. And if we serve a sovereign God who holds all things in control, we know that those trials, when they come, God is using it for our good. He is. I'll be the first one to tell you, he doesn't feel good. No one likes to be persecuted, right? Anybody here lost friends for being a Christian? Any show of hands? Anybody? Okay. It happens. It happens. I've met people in other countries where they've lost family members. 
I've lost my own family members because they follow a different religion. It hurts me. I love them. They think I'm crazy. I pray for them. But at the end of the day, family, we have to persevere. We have to push on. People will reject the gospel message, but people will also receive the gospel message. I love that song that my sister sang right now, Say Yes. And I'm reminded by, by a chapter in Joshua, where Joshua, he goes and he tells the people of the Israelites, he tells them, choose whom you will serve this day. And they say, we choose the Lord. Family, choose whom this day whom you will serve. We will be persecuted for following Jesus. But take heart. Be strengthened that the God of the universe that created everything got you. He ain't going to let you go. And he's going to shape you and mold you and conform you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Family, the Lord is with you. You're a disciple of Jesus. Everyone who's believed and trusted in Christ is a disciple of Jesus. You're created for a purpose and a reason. My job here today as a brother in Christ is to strengthen you in the Lord by reminding you of your identity. It's to remind you, sister, God's good will for your life, that he has set your life out with his plan and his purpose, and he'll use you and you and me. We've been set aside for this. Be reminded of the love of the Father. But let us also be reminded there's a mission at hand. And that we're not alone. Let us go out and share the same message of hope, even if it means our own life. So I close with this, family, some application points. How does this apply to my life? Number one, become gospel fluent. What do you mean, Howard? Learn the gospel. Learn the gospel. Get into an MC group and learn the gospel. The gospel center life, perfect example. Get into an MC group, learn the gospel. Pray that the Lord Jesus would open up doors for you to share your faith. But I'm scared to share my faith, Brother Howard. I don't know what to say or what to do. Well, sister, brother, let me tell you something. So were the apostles, and they saw Jesus, but they prayed for boldness, and God gave them boldness. This is not a strength that you draw from within yourself. 
It's a God-given strength. Pray for wisdom, that God would give you wisdom through situations that you're going, to, going through or are in. Ask God to give you wisdom, how to deal with the persecution, how to deal with those people who don't like you, the coworker that talks bad about you because you're a Christian. Or maybe you've blown your testimony in front of people and they think you're a hypocrite. Pray that the Lord will give you wisdom how to, how to deal with that situation. Because you know what? There is no hypocrites in the church of God. There is only blood-bought saints who have been redeemed. That's it. When we mess up, you know what? Jesus already paid for our sin. We repent of our sin. Put our trust and faith in Christ. 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is just and right, righteous to forgive us of any unrighteousness that we've committed. He forgives us. When suffering and rejection come, because they will come, pray for those who are persecuting you. Man, you know what? And I want to take a quick pause. We're almost done. It's interesting in this chapter that Paul is getting stoned and left for dead. When he himself witnessed Stephen being stoned and killed. Family, pray for those who are enemies of God. And you, you have no idea the stories that I've heard of people coming to the faith who are enemies of God. Muslims in different countries that I've heard have had dreams who have been saved by Christ through someone sharing the gospel with them. And they were the very enemies of Christians. And pray for the people who are persecuting you. And I'm telling you, it looks different here in America. But pray for people who make fun of you. Pray for people who reject you. Pray for those people. Pray and believe, Colossians 3.3, that you have died. Listen to me, family. This was one that, that hit home for me yesterday. Those who are in Christ have died. We're dead. Your life now is hidden with Christ in God. You're a new creation. The old you is dead. Walk in the newness of life. Trust in the Lord. Fight the sin. Lastly, Rest and believe in the power of God for all these things that I'm telling you guys. Because y'all could easily take what I'm saying as a to-do list. It's not a to-do list. It's been done. Ask for the power of God because it is God who enables us to do these things. And let us trust in him that he's going to open up doors and use us through song, through work, through relationships, but to make much of Jesus, man. To keep on pushing on, even when it gets hard. Because our lives, what they're set aside to do, is to make much of Jesus. That's it. And one day we're going to be in glory with the Lord. And he's going to ask us what he did with his son. Listen, family. 
we have a beautiful truth to share. This is a message that brings dead people to life. A miracle happens when the gospel is shared. A miracle happens. Seriously, a miracle does happen. Let's pray.